Today, as we continue with my series on the James River, I have Matt Lawless, Scottsville's town administrator, with me today, and we're going to discuss three things. The first is the Scenic River Project. It came out of a friendship that I have with Lynn Crump. I saw her at a friend's house in Richmond. She was telling about the Scenic River Project, which she heads up, and you and I made a phone call. I handed the project off to you. So tell us about your experience with that, Matt. And first of all, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be here. I really appreciated those introductions and learning about the state uh, scenic river program run through the Department of Conservation. You had longer history with it than I did. So what did you feel about the goals of the program and why was it important to you to bring it to town? Protecting the river, especially in our greater Scottsville area, it's up to us to help do that. When Lynn told me about this project, it was a no-brainer. And when you came on board, you were very enthusiastic and energetic. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? It, it made sense to me, too, that um, the State Scenic Rivers program was getting on 50 years at that point, celebrating an anniversary, going back to the Clean Water Act and just beginning to raise awareness about the value of clean rivers. And it was no-brainer to me. Of course our river is scenic. Why are we not on this list? But the political difficulty in it from our location, coordinating the support for it had to come from four governing bodies, Scottsville Town Council, Buckingham, Albemarle, and Fluvanna County boards. And that was why it hadn't happened compared to a body of water that's only in one county, easy to get the support for it. So some of the organizing work that we did was presenting it to town council, and then from their leadership, presenting to each of the three county boards and receiving their support for it too, because the state agencies don't like to come and deploy these programs without the consent of the locality. That was the hard part on this. Once we actually got to the checklist for the Scenic Rivers program, they were looking at, is the, is the bank well vegetated? Are there plenty of native species? Is the fishery of good quality? Are there a lot of industrial impacts on the sides of the river? Yes, 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 no, it was great. I wasn't there for the actual canoe inspection of the river. Our clerk, Thomas Unsworth, and our intern at that time, Osiris Cutchfield, uh, they took a day out on the river with their boots and their clipboards and their cameras and had a wonderful time inspecting the river to make sure that it was scenic. And, the, and, and then Ms. Crump did a nice report. Yes, indeed, it is scenic. It sailed through through the General Assembly and we were added to this state scenic river list. But the, I think the most interesting and important part of that was making the rounds with the local governing bodies and building that consensus that yes, the river is scenic and important to us and participating in the state program will be to our advantage for tourism, economic development, environmental quality. All those things go together for us on a scenic river. Now, I know that probably property owners along the river would see this as a major red flag for their property rights. However, this does not affect them at all. That's right. And that was one of the key things to explain to a, a county board that might be concerned, right? You, you want to balance um, your tourism promotion and participating in the state program, but not impede how the owners of what's now a scenic river, can use their land. And the program does not do that. There are a few state-level industrial impacts around things like um, dam construction or more power plants, but nothing that will change how the typical farmer on the riverbank does what they do. So now the section of the James River that we were able to, through your efforts, get in this program, is it about 20 miles? Yes. 
It goes along the Albemarle, Fluvanna, and Buckingham sides of the river. Mm-hmm. About 20 miles um, with Scottsville up the center. As a so the next thing I want to talk to you about is the river park. Now, I, there's been some questions and concerns about these big rocks just dumped down by the boat landing. Can you explain what's going on there? Yeah. Um, Those will serve as um, parking blocks and public seating. They define the buffer edge of that river better. We have some big healthy trees on that riverfront, but some of those are getting old and dying, and we need to repair that river buffer with more of those willow and sycamore trees their, their roots go deep all through that riverbank and they hold the soil in. We want to stop that erosion and not lose the boat landing that we have. The, the riverbank does move around and we care about this location. So the town worked with a local landscape architecture and design firm called Green Infrastructure Center. Karen Firehawk runs that. She lives in Howardsville, serves on the Avonmore Planning Commission, and runs this landscaping office right in town. So they took a look with their field work and designed us a landscaping plan that maintains clearly designated parking areas, so that'll get a little bit more orderly, and improves the landscaping and aesthetics of the whole site. If you're coming off the river on the tube or the canoe here into Scottsville, this riverfront park is your first impression of the town. And very often, especially after the river's been up and it's muddy, it doesn't give a very good first impression. Um, So we want to manicure it a little bit better and take some pride in this location, which for many people is one of the most important sites in town. So what the stones do is define a 25-foot buffer from the riverbank that we can improve the vegetation on. They're not going to go anywhere when the river rises. And you can sit on them and picnic a little bit and eat your lunch, sit on this big rock. I've already seen kids playing on them. That's, it's great. Uh, it'll also define here's where you park, like a concrete parking block, but prettier. There'll still be plenty of space for boat parking, truck parking, kayak launching, and clear traffic circulation around the site. But it will drain better, be less of a mud pit, and look more attractive. So on Earth Day, we celebrated back in April, I believe, you had a project down at the riverfront, Mm -hmm. and you planted several trees. What species did you plant? We have river birch and sycamore, and there's a, um, a swamp oak in there as well. Those are coming along pretty well. I was down probably a couple of weeks ago just taking photographs, and I did see the trees there. Has... James River Association, with their riparian buffer, does Scottsville's riverfront fall into that project? It does. We checked the size and design of it to make sure that it qualified as a healthy buffer, so there is that minimum size there. Both the State Forestry Office and the James River Association track the inventory and overall space of those buffers. This one's not huge. Sometimes they do mile-long projects with river frontage, and this is only a few hundred feet. But I think it serves a really valuable public education um, and outreach impact. That we're improving our little stretch of buffer that we can help be responsible for, showing that off to a large number of people and communicating how you can do a more urban forest. This is not the most remote portion of the James River, but we can balance the public access and the environmental quality on this site. What about CSX, their river frontage there by the train station? I think the town's investment... With the partnerships that we've got, the state agencies, the uh, reeling and rafting outfitter, really highlights the need for CSX to do more. We're stepping up and investing on our part of it, and they need to be a good neighbor, too. 
The last thing I wanted to talk to you about is a very special project that the Department of Wildlife Resources is doing, and that is the historic release of the spiny mussel, right here in Scottsville, if I'm correct. Yes, what a fascinating little curve. If you've, you've been on the river much recently, you've seen the wonderful recovery of our bald eagle and osprey populations. When I was a kid on the Shenandoah River, I didn't see those ever. And now every time I go out on the James, I see a bald eagle. But they're at the top of a food chain, the most visible part of this ecosystem. And it has all kinds of more hidden species underneath of it that make a healthy river. The spiny mussel, the river shellfish, is one of those. This critter looks kind of like the mussels that you would get in um, butter sauce at a restaurant, but uh, but th- these are not so delicious. Where th- don't please don't hunt them. They're they're endangered, but they're also not very tasty. They they look just like that, and they live in the sand of the river bottom. And with their little bivalve life, they filter gallons of river water every day, even though they're, they're not much bigger than a quarter. Um, and they contribute significantly to healthy water quality, but they're also very sensitive to pollution in the river. So in the 50s and 60s, with industrial pollution in the James, many of these freshwater mussels went extinct and they were gone from the main channel of the river. They only lived in the little creeks and tributaries higher up that was cleaner. So the state has been working for years to clean up the river and figure out how to reintroduce these species. They have a tricky life cycle that I've learned about where they're a tiny little larva that attach to a fish and live, hitch a ride for a while. And then they, when they get a little bit older, they drop off and grow a calcium shell and, and live down on the river bottom until they can spawn again. So they're, they're delicate and they're hard to raise in captivity. Scientists didn't study this very much for a long time, but now they have it figured out. And the this, this state shellfish expert, one, one guy with a couple of helpers, they've successfully learned to raise these in a lab and they brought 1,300 of these mature mussels in baskets to Scottsville. We waded out together just from the public boat ramp, just upstream from there, and set them in the um, in the silt. That, that felt really good to be able to wade in the water and reintroduce a new critter to help to help keep it um, keep it healthy. Then they went out in boats and released in five more locations between here and Hatton Ferry, a total of 1,300 of these mussels. This is a critically endangered species gone from the main channel of the river except here in Scottsville. So we're so proud to host this program and contribute in that way to the recovery of this river. So are they hoping that as fish move the lava around that it'll spread to a a wider swath of the river? That's right. They'll fill in upstream and downstream as they spawn. The individuals that we planted can also be dislodged in a flood and move downstream. The ones that we planted have little tracker tags in them, not quite as majestic as like when you track a whale or a shark through the ocean, but we we can find them again and see how they move. And what they hope is that beds of these shellfish will grow, and when they come back in 10 years, they'll find many more of them all through the Middle James here. It's a great project, and cleaning up the river has been really one of the mainstays of the James River Association. I will be doing a little episode with Amber Ellis later on to discuss things there, but what good information and how Scottsville is actually participating in 
cleaning up and the aesthetics of the boat landing. You know, maybe one day it'll match the aesthetic qualities that James River Reeling and Rafting has done on their campsites. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I thank you for putting all three of these stories together because they, they fit together with the, the nonprofit organizing, what local businesses can do, how every individual can do their part, enjoying the river, but also helping to take care of it with tree planting and not littering or polluting. Then also the state-level political organizing, the first thing I talked about in this interview, when we went to the state legislature and said, this is a part, a part of river that we care about and we want to work on it together, all of our counties and our town government, I think that gets directly to putting us on the map for, okay, where in the watershed are we going to put these endangered shellfish? Let's go to Scottsville. They care about this. They're doing everything they can to make a healthy river. This is going to be a good home for these species to live for the next 50 years. Now, I want to close on this. So the rocks that are down there, you said that people can go and sit and eat their lunch. A few years ago, someone was down there just for peace and quiet, and he had to leave because he did not have a fishing license. Have we talked with the agency to have other people just go down and enjoy the river? That's a good point. The, the site there at our boat launch is leased by the Department of Wildlife Resources, and it is primarily for fishing. Fishing licenses pay for the maintenance work that's done there. Don't block the boat launch. Um, don't get in the way of someone who's trying to fish. They've got to maneuver a trailer. They need to be able to fish there, too. Other activities are allowed, and the, the state government has clarified that a little bit. Game wardens will not chase you off for picnicking. But the, the primary user of that site is the angler, and we need to be respectful of their boat trailer parking, and they launch, and they've, they've paid for their fishing licenses. They need to be able to use this site smoothly. So they... They're the primary customer. So we all just work together. That's right. Good neighbors here. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out? It's been a a fascinating partnership. I've really appreciated meeting the neighbors that use the river, old-time fishermen, the entrepreneurs, long-time businesses, and new startups, um, Ashley Noble, um, Will Cash, who um, are investing in the river here from... um, folks who have seen the serious floods 50 years ago and folks who are just moving here and learning about the river as an amenity. Um, it, it feels good that the James River brings everybody in Scottsville together, and it's something that we all care about, and I, I love seeing this progress on the river. So everyone, you now know what those big rocks are for, and I believe they're, are they soapstone? They're from Cedar Mountain Quarry near Culpeper. It's the same kind of geology that the bedrock here has. It matches up really well. I asked the state geologist about this. Um, It's a kind of basalt, very similar to the river bedrock, and it shapes really well, very dense, not moving anywhere. It came all the way from Culpeper, but it's the same kind of geology that we have here. Thank you so much for coming up this morning, Matt, and I know you're very busy downtown, so I don't want to hold you up. Nancy, always a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the James Exchange. And as always, if you have a story, a song, a conversation, or an issue you want to discuss, contact me. And a special thanks to Will Smith of the James River Tour Company for the guitar introduction.